Our sixth lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. In this portion of the Advent Christmas story that we just read, we have several important characters. This is where we meet the wise men in the story. Tradition tells us there were three of them based upon the three gifts enumerated here. But there may have been more or less. We really don't know. There is the villain in the story, King Herod, a ruler with jealousy in his heart and murder on his mind. The chief priests and scribes of Israel are here, participating, albeit unwittingly, in their first betrayal of Jesus. Of course, the central figure of the Christmas story, Jesus, is here, along with his mother, Mary. But there's one other important character who might get overlooked and is not actually a person at all, the star. The star, you see, is central to the story. Without it, we have no wise men from the east visiting Jesus. No gold, frankincense, or myrrh. No slaughter of the innocents by Herod. No quick getaway to Egypt by Jesus and his family. A star, by all accounts, is pretty insignificant to most of us. It's not like the great lights of the earth, the sun and the moon. After all, even King Herod in his powerful and knowledgeable position doesn't seem to have been interested in it prior to the wise men's arrival. So let's face it, outside of their place in constellations, few of us take notice of these tiny celestial bodies. But this star, this lesser light, had a mission, a calling, if you will, it was chosen to guide the wise men to Jesus, 
to mark out the path to the Christ, the Savior of the world. Its job was to magnify the Son of God and point others to him. The scripture reading for our meditation today was part of our Advent wreath reading earlier in the service. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. Let's pause and pray and ask the Lord for the illumination upon his word. Our Father, we thank you that your word is true, that it stands forever. And we pray now that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit through the words of life and conform us more into the image of your Son in whose name we pray. Amen. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Today, December the 20th, we are on the brink of the darkest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, the winter solstice. In some parts of the world, the sun will barely even say hello tomorrow. Some of you are here today on the brink of perhaps or rebounding from your own personal darkest day, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And I suppose that collectively, many of us feel as though our society and world are experiencing a winter solstice of sorts right now. So how appropriate it is that at this time of year, we celebrate the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. How needful it is that we hear the Christmas story once again, which invades the dark corners of our souls with light. And what a powerful metaphor, showing us the desperation of our dark world over and against the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe that in these verses, prophet Isaiah points us to the source of the light. He declares us the people of the light, shows us the great need for the light, and points us to the hope of the light. So in our remaining time, let's briefly explore these. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Well, maybe the first obvious question is, what light? Come from where? What is the source of this light? Earlier in this prophecy in chapter 9, and we read this earlier in one of our lessons, Isaiah declared, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then just a few verses later, we have that marvelous, wonderful expression that we all love to hear this time of year. Those words that Handel set so gloriously to music. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, the Messiah, he is the light that all of the prophets point us to. There are many who claim in our day to have light apart from Jesus. Our world will tell you that there are many lighted paths to God. We each must find our own truth, our own light, our own way. The irony of this type of thinking is that it is completely in the dark. There is no other light that leads to God. The Bible clearly teaches there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The first step to understanding this truth and believing in the gospel is realizing that you're in the darkness to begin with. If you find that you're struggling with believing that, ask the Lord for the light of his grace to shine in your heart. And Christian, when you find yourself moving away from the light, back toward the darkness of sin and the world that you were saved out of, fix your eyes upon Jesus and nothing else, for in him there is no darkness at all. Secondly, Isaiah declares that we are the people of the light. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Well, who's the subject referenced by these second-person pronouns here? Later in the chapter, we read, they shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Zion, the inner citadel or fortress of Jerusalem, would come to mean the dwelling place of God for the people of God. The church is spiritual Zion. So we can rightly understand these prophetic words to be referring to God's people, his chosen beloved ones. You, Christian, are people of the light. The light of the world has come to you in your darkness. He has illuminated the dark corners of your soul and brought you from death to life. If you are in Christ, then that question is settled. You belong to him and nothing can change that reality. The question for us then is, how are we doing at reflecting the light of God that's been entrusted to us? Do others see his glory reflected in us? Is there a contrast with the children of darkness in perspective and response to the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in today? If we are absorbed in the fear and calamity and chaos of the day, it is unlikely that we are being light to anyone. Certainly you would agree that our world needs the light of the glory of God shining forth through his church. 
If that's the case, then let us as people of the light lay aside the distractions to our calling and seize the day for the glory of Christ. Thirdly, we see the need for the light. In verse 2, we read, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. These words immediately bring to my mind the description of the earth at the dawn of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God spoke, and light appeared. Not the light of the sun, remember, but the light of the glory of God, which John tells us in his gospel was Jesus, the Son of God. The world was in chaos and darkness, standing in need of light and order. God brought that light into existence by the word of his power, and it was good. In similar fashion, God saw our need and at just the right time spoke into the darkness of this broken world with the birth of his son on that night in Bethlehem. Beginning the process of redeeming his creation so that he might declare all things good again. The light of the world that burst forth in glory at the dawn of creation had appeared on the face of the earth again at the dawn of redemption. But this time, his glory was veiled in the flesh of an infant's body, preparing the way to chase out the shadows of sin lurking in the hearts of humanity. Folks, the need for the light is great, but the darkness is no match for the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. And finally, Isaiah points us to the hope of the light. Hope for the world and hope for God's people. In nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. As the wise men from the east were led to the light of the world by the star of Bethlehem, so may God continue to use his people the keepers of the light of the gospel, to lead the nations of the earth from darkness into light until he completes his glorious kingdom. As long as Jesus delays his coming again, there is hope for those lost in darkness. Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, there's work to do. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. Later in this chapter, we read these words of hope. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. 
Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Those without Christ will be thrust into utter darkness one day in judgment. But believer, the light of the world will never leave you or forsake you. No matter how much the shadows of sin and despair cloud your mind and heart, he is there shining in the darkness. Don't despair. For one day, we will see him as he is and we will know even as we are known with no trace of darkness forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the light of the world. And we, the lesser lights, have a mission, a calling, if you will. We have been chosen to guide others to Jesus, to mark out the path to the Christ, the Savior of the world. Our job is to magnify the Son of God and point others to him. So, child of God, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, when we are confronted with our sin and our fallenness, we don't feel like servants of the living God. We don't feel like bright lights. But Father, you have taken care of that through your Son, the Lord Jesus. You have washed away our sin. You have redeemed us and clothed us in his righteousness and have given us the glory of God to show forth in our lives. Our world is broken and in desperate need of the light that only you can give. Would you be pleased to use this body of believers, we as individuals, wherever we find ourselves, and as a body, as a church here in this community, to shine forth the light of the world, to be a beacon of hope in a dark and dying world. And Father, as we shine forth the glory of the gospel, we will be sure to reflect your glory and your glory alone and to direct others not towards ourselves, not towards what we can do for them, but towards you and towards the good news of Jesus Christ that we celebrate even now. So take us, use us, conform us to the light. And we pray, Father, 
that you would help us to reap as we sow and to see a harvest of souls for the glory of God. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.